What is up, guys? Welcome back, young entrepreneurs. In this episode, we have Kirsten Granados, also known as Money Mulan on LinkedIn. And we talk about a very overlooked concept when it comes to money. You know, so many people talk about the skills, the strategies, the tactics to make money. And all those are very important. In this episode, we talk about something that's overlooked and how you can actually get money to start flowing towards you as opposed to you chasing after it, trying to stay on top of the newest trend and fad and, and everything like that. So guys, without further ado, we'll dive into it right after the intro music. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Pierre Shao, here with Kirsten Granados, financial consultant. And we're super excited to dive into you know, her story, how she got into financial consulting, as well as you know her advice to her younger version of herself and to share um, with people on how to build you know, next generation wealth and really being smart with your money. So Kirsten, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on today. I appreciate you having me on. I'm so grateful for the opportunity and glad to be here with you all. Thanks, Pierce. Uh, amazing, of course. Now, so before we dive into your backstory, um, can you kind of explain to our audience here what you kind of do on a day-by-day -day basis, what you help people with um, in specifics? Because, you know, financial consulting can be um, really broad. So I just love to um, hear from your perspective. Yes. So overall, after working with me, what clients really tend to experience is that their personal finances are demystified and they have a better relationship um, with money overall. So some of the few things that I tend to help a lot of families with are People that are employees, often maybe they have a retirement plan or something going on at work or people that they're already investing, but they maybe don't quite understand how what they have works or they're a little bit confused and looking for some additional guidance and support and how to amplify their knowledge and also simplify what, um, supplement what they have with something that provides a little bit more of a tax benefit as well. So that's where I come in in that case. Um, and overall, I work with Millennials and, and Gen Zers that are from corporate warriors to even parents as well in, in college planning. So huge spectrum right there. That's really cool. Okay. So can you tell us like how you got into that and kind of what your story was um, really getting into the financial consulting, helping people with the people with their money, uh, getting into that world? Like, were you all always interested in it or what's kind of your backstory? Sure. So I wasn't always, I could say, the most driven towards this industry initially. I actually grew up see seeing my father actively invest in more of the real estate um, venture himself. And that was what I grew up watching and kind of appreciating in terms of 
where was a good place to invest. And that's essentially, I grew up going to his open houses and everything. And until I had been a few years already in real estate sector myself, and I started working closer and I shifted from working for as many investors to actual individual families. And I started seeing these needs and I started seeing these loopholes and the conversations that we had were different. And I saw the importance of having a strong financial backbone because I'm like, I felt it so painful when families were being denied in terms of not being able to put their kids in the dream home they wanted and they had to settle for less. Um, that was something very, very painful for me. So I felt the need that to amplify my strengths in this area. Okay. Wow. That's really cool. So started off kind of family background in real estate, doing that a little bit. Um, did you go to college? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So went to college, then got more into the real estate, then uh, the personal financial um, consulting kind of business owners, family, friends. Okay. Amazing. So yeah, next I'd love to ask you the question, like, you know, that's what this show is really surrounded upon is if you could go back, you know, to your, your 20 year old self and teach them something about, you know, investing, about building wealth um, that lasts, not, you know, overnight money, not, um, you know, you know, you see so many people who rise to make so much money and then just, you know, it seems like the next couple, ten, five, 10 years later, it's just gone. So um, what would you say to that 20-year-old version of yourself? That is such a powerful question. And the one thing that, or actually the two principles that I would go back and, and tell that 20-year-old self is to develop a strong money EQ first. Focus on the emotional foundation first before you venture off into more of the money IQ and the actual strategies. And why is that? The one of the reasons I believe money EQ is even more powerful and fundamental than even money IQ and actual strategies themselves is because I've seen in so many executives and I've seen in a lot of successful CEOs of firms that they've built a high tower, but due to lack of that emotional management with money and having a good relationship with it, they've lost it all and they have not been able to recover since then. And also, if you have that money EQ in terms of being able to feel at peace with money, in terms of not having that emotional charge, you are going to not pass over opportunities. You're not going to feel as much fear of the unknown and have a much better perception of what is a solid investment strategy for yourself. Because I see that due to, especially in a, a lot of, a lot of my, my young, uh, younger Gen Zer friends is that when you are focusing so much on only the actual strategies and there's not a lot of the money EQ behind the scenes, people tend to seek the get rich quick overnight. And the thing that we don't take in consideration a lot of times is that easy come, easy go versus a 
people that tend to build wealth up slower over time, they tend to keep it as well mm. because they have more appreciation. They have more respect um, towards it as well. So okay. that's something that I would, I would take in consideration. Yeah. I will. That's saying easy come, easy go. That that's big. Um, so we understand that, you know, having your emotional, you know, side of your relationship with money is extremely important. And, you know, really before getting those uh, strategies in place to actually um, develop, you know, streams of income and, and things like that, and really focus on those strategies. So what are some ways um, you would, you know, advise maybe a client or a friend or, you know, listeners here who are young, you know, getting into starting to make money, how would you advise them to start developing that money EQ, that emotional side of their relationship with money? It's a great question. So one of the things that I want to invite um, people to consider is to ask themselves the nitty gritty questions. And what do I mean by this in terms of taking a look back simply just the past 90 days and then asking, okay, how have I been um, with money in terms of, have I been respectful? Have I manifested gratitude towards that? Um, I think that one of the things that also affects people is also lack of gratitude because what we appreciate, appreciates. And if we see ourselves as circulators of money more as of an energy, why energy? Because it has a power, despite the monetary value that it holds, to influence our emotional charge in terms of making us either happier or a little bit less, more dissatisfied. Manifesting more gratitude, I believe, is one of the very underrated things. And when I mean manifesting gratitude, I don't only mean when we get paid, but also when we give, when we receive. Because what we resist to let go also resists and coming back to us. So overall, having that peaceful relationship with it more will definitely serve us better. Yeah, that's really powerful. I was actually at a um, NLP conference, neuro-linguistic programming, and they were talking about your relationship with money. And uh, one of the instructors was talking about, you know, if you spend in a way where you're, she like did this illustration and she's like, most people spend like this. And she has like a hundred dollar bill. And she's like, ah, like showing like the, the strain on like actually spending like a hundred dollars on something. And she was like giving us this idea and showing us that if you spend like that, your clients, um, you know, people who you engage in business with that energy then is reciprocated. So when you're selling something, you're selling your product, your service, or really whatever um, you have to offer to the marketplace, your prospects, a lot of them are going to uh, engage with that same money energy of like being not as willing to let go. Have you seen that in, or have you, uh, yeah, have you seen that in your life? Definitely. I would say that language plays a very powerful factor in terms of the language that we employ and that we use. If we're saying, oh, I got ripped off. Oh, you know, this was such a terrible deal. Like these words, they subconsciously have more of an effect than we think 
they do. And when we unconsciously just let it slip or let it go, then that same, with that same resistance, money comes back to us. And I seen that it's myself when I didn't have such a mindful approach to my relationship with money. And I saw it in many of my clients. I'm like, the minute I'm like, you have that negative language, vocabulary and tone toward it, towards it, be very watchful because it's the same thing. Even if you're indifferent, if you're indifferent and you don't care, well, money won't care about you either. Most likely you'll have some form of debt or some sort of um, physical gap between where you are and where it is that you seek to be because of mm. even this one underlying factor. Wow. That's really powerful. Um, let me ask you this, Kirsten, like, I know that you probably always, you weren't always like this, like with paying attention very closely to your vocabulary around money or how you um, act with gratitude towards money. Um, was there a moment in your life that that started to really shift or like, did something cause that in particular? I would say that one pivot that I did experience was that when my father was, he was told that his, um, his recent liver transplant that he had had, had failed him. And despite this being a very, I could say, um, emotionally toiling experience on myself and many of our family members, the one thing that definitely did not fail me was appreciation and gratitude because it shifted the focus off myself and the pain that I was receiving. And I started to appreciate others. I started to send video messages. I started to check in on others and see how much more I could give because the minute that I shifted the focus off myself and figure out how could I do this? And I shifted that same habit towards money as well then that's when the stress started to dissipate and evaporate almost like a very, very heavy mist. And I focused myself in servitude and gratitude. And that definitely um, created a very different perspective shift in myself. Mm, that's really powerful. Yeah. Even in the face of, I'm sure that was a very stressful time um, for sure. When that, when that happened and switching to gratitude, that's, that's really powerful. And it's, it's very interesting because I think growing up, a lot of people aren't taught these, you know, money beliefs and money principles and appreciation and, you know, gratitude towards money um, in our homes. I mean, in fact, you know, I think a lot of people avoid the, the discussion of money, like at, around the dinner table um, and, and things like that. I, I'm curious, do you you know, have any ideas why that is to that? Is it because their relationship's bad with money or, or why do you think that is? I'm, I'm genuinely curious because, you know, growing up, my family didn't talk about, you know, money too much, probably because um, my mom was, you know, working a ton of time and they just had a bad relationship um, with money. Definitely. A lot of the money wounds, or you could say these harmful perceptions towards money that many people carry as adults, they're reflections of the subconscious um, negative conversations that we heard as children. So many of us know due to scientific studies that ages one to seven is when we're most susceptible to adopting our belief systems. 
And the thing is, we heard a lot of limiting beliefs as kids that we carry within us as adults. And for example, one of some of these include um, don't talking about money because otherwise it may make you look greedy or selfish. And when you carry and hold that close to heart, people are so afraid of being perceived as not good or as not a kind or justful person that they avoid it. And by avoiding it, they also create a distance. And by not making that friendly relationship and seeing money as a partner, as a teammate in your personal success, then that is definitely where we could say the compounding effect of that in, in the later years. And then the other thing also can even go back to a lot of people, if they have a strong religious background, maybe they heard growing up the love of money is the root of all evil. However, they didn't hear the love of money, but they heard money is the root of all evil, <laughs> as it's commonly said in that in that Bible text. So yeah. this, and because people, they don't want to be seen as wicked. They don't want to be seen as someone that is bad. That's why they create a distance from it. That's why they shy away from it. They feel either guilt in terms of charging for their services, asking for a raise. We see all of these habits unfold as an adult because of this fear they had as a child. Mm, that's really powerful. No, I've heard so many times like the, the saying money is the root of all evil. And it wasn't until I was opened up to the, the Bible actually says the love of money and it's like being driven solely by money and like focused on that and obsessed with just the money in and of itself and not what it can do um, for, for other people and, and things like that is when it it's better, you know, it's bad when you're just obsessed solely focused on money, like everything is uh, put to the side. That's really powerful because I think a lot of people get that wrong, right? Yes, it's it's one of the, I would say, one of the biggest limiting beliefs that I see in people and why they have such a painful relationship now with it as adults that reflects in the form of debt, lost investment opportunities, and just even shying away from the idea of investing is because people have so much fears ingrained in their subconscious that boiled down to the experiences they heard as a child. And we think about these days, now as an adult, they're simply mirroring that energy pattern. They're duplicating a conversation, a behavior, or an energy pattern that they saw as a child. Yeah, that's really powerful. Um, what would you say are maybe some tactical things that people can go out and do today um, to start increasing, you know, their emotional relationship with money. I know gratitude's huge, um, but did you do anything in particular, um, like tactical, like literally like do this um, when you're starting to increase um, your and better your relationship with money? Because I think it would help listeners a lot to maybe give them very tactical things that they can go out and do, you know, after listening to this. Yes. So two actionable tips for getting into the actionable side here um, that served me and I served a lot of my clients. One of them is there is a saying 
there's a saying in a Japanese called arigato. So, I mean, I think it sounds cooler than in English just saying thank you. So <laughs> my personal uh, belief. I love it. But every, every time that you pay for something, if you just say that inside your mind, you say like arigato and you are not only receiving it, but paying it. And you start saying that thank you and you visualize inside your mind, the person benefiting and how they're going to use it. Um, in their life. And then the other thing is when you are investing, don't, regardless of, of where you are investing, it's so boring to just think of only, oh, well, I'm going to put this much in this type of IRA account or whatever. But if you visualize yourself and you have a clear picture of what it is that you will achieve when you have reached the goal with that investment vehicle. And what do I mean by this? Let's just say you're looking to pay off debt. Post or grab a grab a photo of maybe you, um, maybe you, your significant other, or a photo of that vacation place that you want to have present. So every time that that monthly action comes on your behalf, and if you have that photo present either on your phone or your computer, just somewhere where you can frequently look at it that will help also um, be more in touch with the direction and what the vision that you are helping to actually come to life is. And the other third thing I was, um, I was thinking in here is to think about, when we think about in terms of abundance and relationships, if you keep present, let's just say, Worst case scenario, if you were had no financial belongings whatsoever, but if you have a great community of meaningful relationships in your life, ask yourself, how many friends could I stay with for a week? If worse come to worst came to worst, I had none of the things that I have in life. And then the moment you start to count your blessings and you realize, oh oh my goodness, um, I actually have so many of these meaningful relationships. And you realize, wow, how blessed and abundant um, you are. And then if you, on the flip side, if you realize you don't have as many of those meaningful relationships as you would like in life, think about what are a few ways that you can be more proactive in checking in on someone and thinking how you can help support them, um, support their business, be present, be there for them so you can have better quality of relationships and a bigger quantity of those two in your life. Wow. That's really powerful. I was actually talking to someone um, about that the other day. It's like, like for us living in America, like we're so um, fortunate that literally like the worst case scenario isn't even like that bad. Like I know I could count so many people who I could stay with for a week. I could stay with for a month. I could like go, like, it might be a little like humiliating to go back and live with my parents, but if things don't go well in business and all comes tumbling down, it's like, what's the worst that can happen? So it's, I think a lot of people get caught up sometimes in like, like getting stuck in like, Oh, I got to do this, this, and this. But it's like, when you expand, it's like, what's the worst that can happen? And being okay with that is like, 
I think helps you get to the next level. But I really love, I'm going to start saying the arigato. I think that sounds so cool. Um, in uh, like when you buy something and I think a lot of people when they're purchasing or spending, they're thinking about what like this money, oh, I'm having to give it up rather than like, oh, I'm actually receiving this. And then the money I'm spending is going to go into someone else's um, pocket and help them be able to create experiences, um, build abundance, um, things like that. You know, visualizing the end goal in mind when investing, that's really powerful. And then thinking about abundance and, and having that mindset um, towards that. And, you know, the, the friends you could stay with, with the worst case scenario. Um, and if not developing those, that's really amazing. Um, I wanted to ask you, do you have any like resources, books, um, thing, um, like maybe your top three books or, or podcasts, maybe you listen to for people to, you know, start um, learning and inputting you know, more knowledge and, and abundance and, and stuff like that, because I'm sure you probably read a lot of books and, and things like that to get to where you are in, in the mindset and the relationship with money you have today. Yes. So um, one of the podcasts that actually is, is very related more to in terms of like the mindset factor is the Max Out podcast by Ed Milet. I, oh, I, find... like... I love Ed. <laughs> I love Ed Milet. The guests he, he has, they help enrich the quality of your life in so many different areas. Um, it's it's one of the the most, I would say, it's a very, very complete um, podcast in that area. Another book that I also really um, find helpful, this is, we're going deep down the actionable strategy hole for anybody in the US, is The Power of Zero by David McKnight. And I wanted to share this book because I feel that taxes are something that are often overlooked, <laughs> not as it's not the most beautiful or aesthetically thing to talk about, but you got to look at it. So <laughs> um, this is another book that I, I definitely find uh, very, very resourceful and, and helpful in, in that area. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm curious. I want to ask about that book. What is like the general premise um, that David talks about in that book and with regards to taxes? Yes. So he talks about how ultimately the way taxes, they impact you in terms of your wealth development journey, especially, well, he frames it around the concept of retirement, but I like to call it more about the period in your life when you want to tone it down. So well, you maybe don't want to work as hard or you want to contribute, give more, spend more time on your passion projects. And he talks about how in a lot of traditional vehicles, taxes are the cause of overall causing things to leak away. And he does share some great strategies and things that can help to overcome this if they are structured properly. Again, it definitely depends on each person's individual. Um, it goes case by case. But personally, it's helped a lot of, of my clients to, to open their eyes and realize, oh, a lot of things that we thought we knew about <laughs> growing our money and, and things in these spots, they are going to um, affect us. So I'm not going to give away any spoilers. So if you want to <laughs> dive more into that, take a peek into it. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Yeah. It's crazy how much taxes 
um, can have an impact. I think you said, I saw, I was looking at your LinkedIn and I saw, what is it like 40% like of your money ends up going into taxes or something like that? For a lot of people that they have a 401k, that is unfortunately the case. So um, people, when they end up in the later stages of life, actually don't have as many tax deductions because they paid off their mortgage. Um, their kids are no longer in the nest egg. So many things affect and they're like, oh, well, my cost, my cost of living and my tax bracket is going to be lower. And I'm like, well, that may not be the case <laughs> because the other thing that goes up are healthcare costs too. So oh. just some nitty gritty things to look at. <laughs> yeah. The, the fine details of, uh, of stuff. Amazing. Yep. Well, yeah, that that's pretty much everything I had. And, you know, I know our time is kind of coming up um, to an end. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on, Kirsten, and, you know, sharing all this, you know, knowledge that you've learned, you know, increasing your emotional relationship with money um, before your um, uh, money IQ. And really, I think that's so powerful for, you know, younger people getting into you know, starting to generate wealth and generate abundance and, and things like that is, you know, having that right relationship because you, like you said earlier, like easy come, easy go. And if you don't have the right um, emotional relationship um, with money, um, then, you know, it's, it's not good. It could go quick. And, you know, I loved your three actionable tips um, for people to take. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on and uh, ask you if you had any last words um, you wanted to share, if you didn't hit on anything. If not, uh, that that's it. I, I would say that to remember that you cultivate what you compound ultimately. So whatever you're cultivating uh, down the road is going to be a reflection of what you compound and either healthy choices or not as healthy choices. So keep that in mind and to take each day a step that pulls you forward. Amazing. Amazing. Thanks so much. And Kirsten, where's the best place people can find you, um, get in contact with you. And, uh, you know, if they have any questions with regards to money, creating wealth and things like that. Yes. So I am most commonly known as LinkedIn's um, Money Milan. <laughs> you can LinkedIn's Money Milan. Amazing. Sorry, there. I That's didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Uh, yep, that's that's where I can most uh, commonly be found on LinkedIn. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening here. Go check out and go take action right now on those three actionable tips that she gave us. And uh, thank you so much, Kirsten. My pleasure.